We're live. We're live. We're live. Not really. We're recording. But yeah, welcome back to Dangerous Rhetoric, guys. This is episode 75. Before I jump into it, I'm going to remind everyone to please, please like, comment, subscribe, share this if you have any balls. Um, and if you want to help us continue to do this, we take donations, we take crypto. Um, please give us give us your money. We will happily accept it. <laughs> Links in the description. Links in the description. I'm Brentley. I'm Dan. With all of that said, today we are joined once again by my good friend Ramon Govea of Myth Division. Ramon, welcome back, bro. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Good to be here. So, yeah, I'm excited about this. Um, we haven't talked crypto and NFTs and blockchain and Web3 and metaverse and that stuff in a while, actually. So I'm excited to get into it. Before we do, why don't you remind some of our viewers, maybe who aren't familiar with you or haven't seen our first discussion, like what it is you do, what is Myth Division, when did you found it, what is your vision for your company, etc. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm the CEO and founder of Myth Division, which is a multi-platform entertainment company uh, that's very focused right now in the development and innovation in the Web3 space. So um, basically what that means is, you know, I've been in comic books and video games and, and film and television for a number of years throughout my personal career. And then Web3 came along and has sort of become that missing piece that brings a lot of those um, elements together to create the kind of company that I've been wanting to build for over a decade. So, uh, you know, I started off, I won't go too long. I know I kind of talked a little bit more about my background the last time I was here, which, yeah. which was a lot of fun. Um, but basically I spent about 15 years in Hollywood, um, kind of starting from scratch. I didn't really know anybody or <laughs> have any like you know, friends in the industry or anything like that. Um, and I, uh, was a writer initially and quickly figured out that if I wanted to get my writing seen by anyone or produced by anyone, I would have to produce it myself. So I had to basically learn how to, how to do all that. Um, and so just kind of taught myself, I waited tables and bartended for a number of years through college. So when I came uh, back to LA, um, I was just doing the same thing and I was using that to finance my own production company, partnered with a bunch of friends and we were learning the ropes, ended up producing content for Stan Lee and, companies like Machinima and all the uh, multi-channel networks that were doing short form content at the time. Um, it's when like the YouTube uh, kind of boom happened. They started, you know, they put out a million dollars to a bunch of channels. To find web content, right? Yeah. That, that would be web two, correct? Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of like the boom of uh, user generated content, right? So they finance the bigger, you know, the influencers with money. Um, so that's where I kind of cut my teeth learning production and learning project management, like how to really have an idea and follow through all the way to the end through editing. And I learned editing and directing and writing and producing along the way. And then, you know, I felt like I learned as much as I could about the, the I guess, the technical like uh, production process, the workflow of film. Um, and I wanted to learn about other areas, so I went on to work in video games. I worked for Scopely, and was, was uh, doing Walking Dead Road to Survival over there. Um, it was just in their marketing department, but I kind of learned how to tie in story to marketing, right, for conversion. At the same time, I was building Kickstarters and kind of learning crowdfunding at that time. So um, took all of that and ended up working for uh, Baron Davis. Uh, he used to play for the Warriors, um, Hornets, a bunch of other big teams. Um, and so he retired and started a production company. And so I came on board for a few years and was managing a lot of his content from ideation all the way through to distribution and merch, apparel, all that kind of stuff. And so started Myth Division after uh, after that. And then Web3 came along. And so that's kind of the story of how Myth Division has uh, kind of pioneered, I think, a little bit in the Web3 space. We got in really early and we've uh, introduced some mechanics and ideas that um, some other you know projects have ended up using. And some of them blew up, so they still get the credit. But, you know, we know that we were, we were very early and had some really cool ideas that, um, you know, we're seeing set as standard when people do drops, roadmap pieces and, uh, you know, mint passes and different mechanics that are, that are really interesting. So I, I feel like I feel like your exploration into crowdfunding very much prepared you for what Web3 is. And we're going to talk about Web3, but 
I feel like there's there's something very similar about non-fungible tokens and crowdfunding. It is sort of like a form of crowdfunding, right? It's like someone subscribes to something almost and then they get a perk, right, for donating this amount. Similar to that, except you hold the asset and that asset itself is worth something and it continues to increase in value, et cetera. But, um, you know, I always admired your ambition and being able to like start your own projects from scratch and to carry them out into fruition. You know, I have one of your comics here. Let me see. Pull it out. Oh. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been uh, we've known each other on social media for years at this point. Probably ten years at least, I think. Full disclosure. Yeah. Oh, wow. we, we go back away. Copy of it. Yeah. Right so you kind of you've witnessed the journey. There you go. All control relief. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Giving that out uh, to some NFT holders. Oh yes. Yeah, we're we're gonna give out issue one to. Some people who came to our last Twitter spaces, which, which we have another one soon. But it's like, I feel like there's just there's definitely something similar about that crowdfunding structure of of starting a company and launching a project and then being able to um, bring all the resources together to make it happen. NFTs is just like another form of that. I feel it can be yeah i mean it just depends on your business model so you know like you said it could be a subscription but it can also be just like a one-off right just a yeah. purchase or a receipt for the purchase of a single item uh, but the real i'd say the real comparison lies in the idea that you are basically going direct to, to your consumer so you don't have to rely on a company to publish you and distribute you and market you, you kind of have to do all those three things by yourself or, or yeah. with your team. Um, and then you just market all that directly to your audience. So you're kind of cutting off a lot of the, the middlemen. So it makes it a little bit more sustainable if you're able to do that successfully and continue delivering. Um, you know, it's really hard. And even over the last year, with um, last couple of years, honestly, with the, with the whole pandemic and all of that stuff, like that really affected shipping and resources and supply chains so yeah. paper was limited things like so it's also one of the things and we talked about this last time you were on i think it's one of the major factors that led to the nft boom yeah. crypto boom that we saw in 2021 correct as people were at home they were trying to figure out new ways to to make a living right um all sorts of things they were bored they probably had money they got maybe they got their uh, their stimulus check and they didn't know what to do with it so they're like screw it and they threw it onto ethereum or something <laughs> so it's just it is interesting to see though because you're right yeah the supply chain got affected the economy really got messed up but it also kind of initiated this surge of people looking for new options and new ways to start businesses and to you know make a living for themselves cutting out that middleman so they are their they are their own boss. We have a whole new generation now of people who want to be their own boss. You know, it's yeah. why we're doing the show. It's why you're doing what you're doing. The economy has changed a lot, and it's not. I don't think it's going to go back to the way it was. We are. Uh, heading, I don't think so. We're heading more digital. That is inevitable. There's nothing we can do about it. You can like it, you can hate it, but I don't think the tide is going to change unless like rocks hit the planet and we go back to the Stone Age. Yeah. Uh, global EMP, which the odds yeah. of that. Are. Yeah, or, or a nuclear war or something like Solar that. Solar flare. Yeah, destroy each other. But Sky hole opening up, an alien invasion. Until, until then, I think it's safe to assume technology is only going to keep advancing. Things are going to Zombie keep, plague. Yeah, things are going to keep getting more digital and more of our um, you know social status and stuff is going to be flexed in a digital space. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I want to talk about is that people don't understand, I think, who are outside of Web3. Robot apocalypse. Robot apocalypse. No. Uh, it's like this idea that NFTs are just like something digital and you don't actually have anything. And yeah, a lot of NFTs are just something tied to code and you, you own it. It's in your wallet. But what I think people who are outside of Web3 aren't getting yet is that there's an economy of physical goods now yes. tied to the tokens. Yeah. And there that... The tokens themselves have evolved into an economy around crypto. Also, like I think the other thing that people aren't, or at least in the gamer community, aren't getting yet is that 
games basically already do what nfts are they already have an internalized tokenomics like where you're it's it's all internal though they control everything it's not tied to blockchain and it, it makes it a lot more cost efficient that way but i think in the future as things evolve we're going to see more and more like the new stuff will be tied to the blockchain in some way it'll be tied to a crypto or maybe even these game companies will have their own crypto like there's some companies that are big enough like blizzard for example activision they may have their own, you know, currency and NFT system that's tied into all their games. And, you know, Steam has been doing this for a while. Steam has these little, like, uh, cards, they call them. You get them as rewards. But they're basically like NFTs. Yeah. They're like little, like, things that you can unlock or get associated. Yeah, anytime you have any membership card is, is essentially in functionality the same thing that an NFT can do. So, yeah. you know, when you're talking about loyalty rewards or... You know, getting a stamp every time you go to a place and collecting time, you know, all of that infrastructure is there's no question online that's going to be shifted to NFTs, probably the quickest. That's what we're going to see, you know, the larger corporations like, you know, Netflix or Sam's Club or whoever, right? They'll start doing these um, NFT subscriptions or, you know, membership subscriber programs where you earn points instead of, you know, getting uh, a coupon. You're getting an NFT that when you swipe that NFT, okay, you just got 15% off your entire purchase. You know, it's a one-time use and then it burns, right? Or whatever, right? There's there will be that kind of use case yeah. functionality over time. We're seeing that. We're already yeah, seeing exactly. that. I mean, we're doing it, right? I'm working. Yeah. You know, as we're launching our contracts, I have these requests <laughs> that you know maybe our our solidity dev didn't think of before so he's okay I've, I've got to troubleshoot that i've got to think about how we're going to incorporate that mechanism into the contract so that it reflects properly on the blockchain right so you know we're, we're all out here everyone who's in the space um you know we're, we're innovating in our own way and, and sort of helping contribute to iterations of the technology yeah. so not everybody's going to last right all of these companies are not going to make it through this bear period and you know, being able to deliver on roadmap is a whole other story that we've been talking about for a long time, right? Yeah. Most people have no idea what they're promising when they promise something in a roadmap and how much work it's going to be and how much budget it's going to be and all that, right? So um, all that into consideration, you know, you have this big group of people who are now kind of carving um, just new uses for a brand new technology. Yeah. And so, of course, there's, there's entities and organizations that it does not benefit that it would benefit them for this technology to go away because of the levels of transparency and you know decentralization right of power that those are probably the two biggest factors um but it's really interesting man it just depends on how deep you want to go but we can well i want to i want to can we talk about like myth divisions like uh like the projects that you guys are working on so well, we should definitely get into that before we get into the like the deeper stuff about the powers that be. I just kind of whether or not they want this to go in this direction. <laughs> fight this. I kind of I kind of just want to talk about myth division today yeah. and like like That's all cool. the things that Ramon has cooking because we've been hanging out in like the you know the the, the what the the it doesn't exist the, the, the doesn't exist and like I just want to hear more. <laughs> First rule of Fight Club, Brent. Come on. <laughs> I want to hear more and I want to share more pictures and stuff like we were I had when you were talking earlier I was kind of just had the website open so if you guys go to mythdivision.com mm -hmm. uh, there's a beautiful little palette of things that just sort of rotate here and maybe you can start Ramon with telling us about the waifus and because that was the first collection really you guys did the um the original myth division like access tokens yeah and then it was the waifus and then it was the comic first actually it was a board ape six yacht club and yeah, then, then we, yeah then we were figuring out the profile picture collection so when i was first thinking about our approach to the space i wanted to make sure that there was some kind of value that i was going to be providing people especially to collectors right because i'm a collector myself and i know we've talked about it a lot offline um but you know i love comics i love collectibles i mean i probably haven't spent as much money as some other hardcore collectors because a lot of the money that I was making was going directly back into producing content, right? So, um, 
you know, when it comes to all that, that's what we're thinking about in terms of how we're approaching the space is a collector's mindset, right? Uh, things like scarcity are important. Things like um, quality are important. So uh, we released the Myth Division Access tokens. And, you know, when it comes to NFT collections, utility is a very important question that always comes up. Like, you know, what's the utility? What can I get from this besides the art? Um, now, for us, this is like an art focused collection uh, because it's just comic book art and it's art that I love that I used to collect you know their covers um, and then um, you know those those give you access to all kinds of different things in our in what is our metaverse land so we've been building all that over time and we'll get into that in a second um, but then the next thing we wanted to do is what we were we knew we were good at is make comics so we used some of the board apes uh, that I had purchased and just started utilizing them in the story there's the animation actually right there um, like a comic book and then right above. Maybe talk about that a little bit too. Um, yeah, so I ended up partnering with my buddy. IP, from, uh, and, like what Board Ape Yacht Club is and, you know, how how you approached that entire phenomenon when it came about, how you got into it. And then you sort of took it, right? And you're doing your own thing with it. You're making your own yeah. entertainment with it. And other people are doing other things. They're starting like merch brands or coffee companies. and. Yeah. But this idea that you can like take your ape, your you know, like little piece of this brand that's a bigger brand and make your own sort of yeah. sub brand off of it. But you're doing that and you're fusing like those characters with characters from other collections like yeah. Gutter Cat Gang and things like that and your own collections to make this sort of multiverse type of thing happen. Yeah, I mean, look, at the core of what we're doing here with Myth Division is we're telling stories that we feel are universal. Um, <laughs> We're trying to tell stories that, you know, no matter who you are, there's some level of relatability. Like for us, if a story, a movie, a comic book, whatever it is, a, a prose book that you're reading, right? If it doesn't make you feel some level of like either uh, you know, high entertainment, like exhilarating or uh, humorous, right? Or cathartic in some way where it makes you emotional and there's some kind of like, you know, change in you after having you know witnessed this story, then it's not really interesting to me. So, so all of our stories are like that. Um, so, what we tried to do was something unique. Is as soon as I found out that we have the IP rights to the apes, uh, the board apes, I I realized what you're essentially doing is you're buying into a community of people, right? Um, it's just like if you had the opportunity very early on to buy into Marvel. Like, say you were in you know, Stan Lee and Kirby and whatever, a bunch of other people were you're brainstorming those characters, for example. This would be the difference. In yeah, the and then you could, like, own Spider-Man. Yeah, and then you buy in or, based on, you know, different characters that have been generated, right? Whether it's Spider-Man, Captain America, Hulk, one of the Avengers, one of Fantastic Four, one of the X-Men, right? Um, you own one of those characters. So this is, like, a group of people. And, you know, I, I saw the, the trajectory uh, after a while, like obviously, I just kind of like moved in eight days after minting. I was like, all right, we're gonna do this character. I'm all in on American Ape. Let's make this whole storyline with them. So just, you, you already you already had this vision of how to approach this right from the beginning. When I when I picked the ape, yeah, I knew that I needed a story for the ape. Great. So that's what we did. So, so I picked the first ape, and then I saw the trajectory. I saw the floor going up. I saw the the steam picking up in the, you know, NFT community, and then the hype started spilling out, and I was like, "Wow, I think this is going to be a bigger, you know, global sensation." So we just we kept buying it. Yeah. Oh, dude, you you were so right, man. You were so right. It's it's crazy to see uh, what has happened with Port Ape Yacht Club yeah. over the last year, and just how quickly yeah. things have moved. You know, they're appearing at music festivals and on merch all over. Yeah, the no one could have predicted any of that, man. I didn't think, I didn't know how fast it would go. Honestly, you, you did sort of predict it. I mean, you were you were it was a calculated bet. It was a calculated bet for yeah. sure. Because I spent like a thousand bucks on the first ape, and I was like, yeah, I can't believe I'm spending this on a fucking picture of an ape. Like there is that real moment that you have, and then, but you know, again, we had a plan. I wasn't just betting on the whether or not the value of this picture was going to go up or down. The plan was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take action to make sure I make right. this valuable by adding yeah. value to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what we saw. I was like, it's basically like me licensing Spider-Man, paying a thousand bucks to license Spider-Man, but then 
I have the steering wheel on how yeah. quickly so you could own, you can own you could own Spider-Man, but if you don't actually sit down and start generating never, stories never with him, then nothing will come of it. And I think, you know, that 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 is what we saw with the Board API Club. And we're seeing it with other clubs, too, is we're seeing, yeah. seeing people take this IP, take these these pieces of this bigger brand and really run with it and try and you know make their own little business within this network this community and it's like it's like an insular little crypto economy almost where people are starting their own projects and are supporting each other's projects and this is just the beginning of that economy too because what we're going to start to see once these these metaverse lands are actually open operational and and semi-functional we're gonna see that economy fucking explode. Do, do you think it's gonna become like some Ready Player One shit, where people are all just kind of living in their VR sets and everyone's just? I think some people will do that. I mean, I'm not saying it's gonna happen in two years. I, it is happening. Yeah, it's already started. But there's there's no avoiding that as inevitability for some people. But again, that's why it's important for the stories that you tell. Like if you're bringing people into the space. For us, we feel we have, I definitely feel, I know a lot of the team that we're working with, feels we have a little bit of a moral responsibility to remind people that this isn't existence. Like, yes. You have to also, you know, remember that we're human beings and Go out into there's the world. existence outside and there's yeah. things to experience with other people. That- so th- this is a good branch into something else that I want to discuss about utility and what makes some of these tokens valuable not just as art pieces but as membership cards Uh, they give us access to in real life events and this is something that i think again people outside of the space who maybe they're seeing this from outside and they think oh nfts are just stupid they're not valuable it's all it's all a scam they don't realize that like just from me holding a, a silly cat cartoon picture over the last year, you know, I was able to connect and network with all these like crazy interesting people and not just online on Twitter, but in real life, you know, yeah. an exclusive party in Miami. Like yeah. you and I got to meet for the first time in person yeah. because of that. You know, the, the New York City party that Brent and I went to in I think that was April. And it was like three, four, five times bigger than the one in Miami. Yeah. And this was during the bear market. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm I'm there in New York City, like New York City, you know what I mean? In this huge exclusive party, all these people are there having fun, networking, drinking, the music's playing, like merch being sold everywhere. And in my head, I'm just like, this is the bear market. And well, this, yeah. Well, here's right the thing: now, when people think this is dead. They think NFTs are going away. I'm like, this shit is just beginning. It's just no, not- because it's all about integration, right? Yeah. It's not about, like people are looking at NFTs as like its own thing, right? They are a bunch of pictures that you know people are collecting online, storing in their database, right? On the blockchain. It is that. It is. Yeah. It, which is true. But there's communities attached to these pictures and there are networking opportunities and there's, you know, like you said, all these real life events, right? So that's important to us. You know, we were already doing comic book conventions uh, long before Web3, right? So for us, this just enables us to reward our like most active members of our community or our you know, people who have you know, read all of our books or you know, engaged in our world fully, we're able to now identify those people and, and they can have this, you know, all access coin that we're going to actually manufacture and send you guys out for free. And oh, you'll have this, you're going to have physical, you're gonna make a physical, yeah, we're going to make the physical uh, alpha access coin. So we're talking about the manufacturers right now, just trying to figure out, um, effectiveness i like that idea <laughs> yeah man because there's only a total supply of 223 right so we're only going to make 223 and so when someone purchases one you know that you don't have to kyc if you don't want to you can always claim it at a event or something we can work that out but the idea is it's like you show that coin and you're a coin holder and you're one of 223 people so no matter how big our company gets you know you know, if we achieve our goal of becoming as big as some of these large corporations, then like that's 223 people that have VIP access to all kinds of shit, right? So if we do a subscription platform, which we're already trying to build right now, um, you know, that's a free lifetime subscription to like Netflix, basically, or, you know, at a convention, um, you know, that's 
like a Disney Fast Pass, where if everyone's in line for a signing, you can get in a second line and, you know, a couple people in, you can get to go because you're an OG holder, you're a big supporter of the company. You're, in a lot of ways, you're an investor in the content, and this is where it's similar to Kickstarter. Um, the thing about Kickstarter, and this is why we're actually shifting away from it, is it's still very disconnected because you're you're talking to your audience and you're posting with them, but there's something about the crypto space with community and using Discord, just the tools that are more available that you just feel like much more of a community and it's easier to, um, you know, just to, to communicate with them and keep them updated on everything that's going on. So um, it's just, you know, it's really interesting how the technology is evolving and allowing us to get you know, better communication, but also, you know, it's, it's sad because there's a lot of problems going on in the world right now, like supply chain, like all these other issues that are inhibiting some of our real world connections that, you know, I'm hoping yeah. get through. But. So one of the things I noticed um, recently, and we keep using the term web three, web three is this yeah. shift in language. Um, and I've, I've noticed this over the last few months, maybe the last half year in particular, since that bad, bad bear market that we went through, that the talk became less and less about NFTs. And maybe South Park has something to do with that because they started fucking making fun of it and everyone just started making fun of it. And the language and the way we talked about this started to shift into Web3, Web3, Web3. Um, and I think... I think there's a reason for that. I don't think it's just because like people are embarrassed by the term NFTs now because you know, South Park made fun of it. But I think it's just the shift is moving away just from the tokens themselves. And yeah. it's very much into like, well, what else? What do the tokens do? And mm -hmm. how, how many different ways can we use these it's tokens? Already. Yeah, like before you mentioned, like some tokens maybe have a one-time use. Mm -hmm. uh, like Guttercrack Gang did this with their first merch bundle, right? You, you buy the token. You can choose to hold the token and just keep that digital asset forever. Yeah. Or if you want the physical merch that that token can claim, you have to choose. So you burn the token. Yeah, and that's game theory, right? Well, theory. We're, and we're going we're gonna to be doing stuff like that too. I know we've already told the alpha coin holders that you guys are going to get um, free merch, right? So that's going to happen. We're packaging up a bunch of our comics. We're going to have some of our, our apparel uh, in there as well. And things and we're sending that um later this year to our holders so you know we're trying to come up with with the things that we would want in a collection that we're not getting right that's how i'm approaching this space so i'm trying to over deliver and under promise as much as i can and so far that's that's worked out pretty well because we have a pretty I'd say diamond handed community we have like the yeah. three three collections with no floor and I think every every couple of months, like when I check the floor, so I don't check often, but when I do check, I'm like, wow, this is really, we're actually making really good steady progress over yeah. time in terms of the value. Yeah, every time I look too, I don't really see very many for sale. Um, people mm -hmm. seem to just be holding on to them. And I think it's because, uh, you know, the people who have these tokens or anything in a Myth Division collection, I think they brought them because they have conviction. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they want, they want a long-term hold and they're looking for an investment in a company that's going to still be here. And this is the yeah. thing. It's like yeah. the real test of this shit is the bear market. Um, yeah. We should actually be a little grateful for the bear markets because they they separate the wheat from the chaff. They, they really demonstrate who's serious about this shit and who is just in this to get that quick buck and get out. And yeah, because they're gone right now. They're, and they're not gone. around really, right? They're gone, like, right? I'm like, hey, where's all the shit? And then I realized... Oh, wait, I unfollowed a lot of these guys. Yeah. Whereas, you know, those those who stuck through that bear market and even when the funds were down and the chips were down, like, yeah. kept delivering, kept trying to, you know, build and figure out new ways to expand what Web3 is, like, right. those are going to be that that 1%, I think, who last and become, like, the next okay. Facebook or Twitter or whatever. That's we're, well, we're, we're trying to position ourselves that way. You know, we, I've been able to actually resist taking on investment early on, thankfully due to NFTs. So, you know, that's helped us get through, you know, some of the other dips, right? Um, you know, and, and this kind of space is so fickle right now because it's filled with a lot of flippers or you know, ex-bankers or a lot of the people who, you know, are... Uh, 
<laughs> manipulating other markets anyway. So there's a lot of scams here. So I can understand the hesitation and trepidation of everyday people who are like, oh, that's just like a bunch of bullshit, all that crypto stuff. And because a lot of it is, and, and I would say most shit coins are, but I would still say like every day that I do more and more research and um, have conversations with other people about it, um, I just become more and more of a Bitcoin maxi. That's really like where I'm going uh, when it comes to like assets and so talk, asset management. Talk about that a bit. Like why Bitcoin? Why do you think Bitcoin is the number one? I know it was like the first, right? It was like the main. Because look, Bitcoin has a lot of different um, things that separate it from everything else. But the, the real thing is it's truly decentralized and it's limited, right? There's only ever going to be 21 bitcoins that's never going to change yeah um but you know and, and look no one's going to be able to access your shit either ethereum is great um but we're already we're already <laughs> having a lot of issues with with the centralization issues with the technology that's being built upon that layer and like sure we may have that issue with bitcoin but i just think the builders in bitcoin have a more shared vision of decentralization as the main focus so that our, you know, our assets can't be just taken or frozen or whatever from us at the whim of, you know, some government, right? Uh, whether it be our own or, or another one, right? Because a lot of the central banks work together in their own communications. Yeah, it's like with uh, the IRS hiring, you know, all these new agents and expanding. 87,000, like right? Well, I don't it's <laughs> Like, that'll be what they end well, up but like you can't help but like think that they're going to be looking to go after you know people in the, the web 3.0 space oh, of other course. but they're yeah. looking for the middle class and that's the thing they already they traditionally have or they've already admitted that it's much more cost effective for them to go after the people that can't afford big lawyers like they don't go after the big the big whales um generally speaking a lot of times it's because they're in cahoots but you know, they're going after the everyday people. And why else would you be arming people, arming new agents, right? Like, we were wondering why they were buying all the ammo, you know, and now we have a fucking answer because they're going to hire new people and <laughs> give them guns with it. Yeah, are, are you going to see what we're doing now? We're, we're like having to, you know, worry about ammo supply because, you know, these, are, these government contractors are now going to get guns. So this is getting ridiculous. Yeah, well, and if anything, you know, the recent raid against Trump at Mar-a-Lago shows that we're seeing now the, the weaponization of these organizations and these agencies. And with the rapid expansion of one like the IRS, which has so much sway and control over our finances. Yeah. And well, they're, try they're trying to take over in the digital side, too, with cryptocurrencies, because they want the, the you know, CBDC, the, the uh, central bank digital coin. Right. That's what they want to create. Yep. And they're starting to roll it out in other parts of the world. You know, they're they talking about it and using and they want to tie it. They want to tie it into whether or not you if you know if you've been a bad boy, if you well, have that's the thing, it's a social score, and that's how they want it to start to score you. And so it ties into big tech, it ties into censorship, it's all one connected web. But like oh you it against the party today, so you can't have meat tonight, so you can only buy bugs for dinner. <laughs> correct. That's exactly what they want to do. I mean and they mod they're modeling it after the Chinese uh, Communist Party, right? Their, their social score system. I mean it's literally all of it like didn't we just pull down a bunch of huawei satellite equipment from farms and and army bases around our country like we're already in the middle of like this this information war uh with the ccp I mean, there's no there's no question about it if you're we're very we're very infiltrated if you're paying attention if you're not paying attention then you have no fucking idea what's going on and you're listening to you know joe schmo who paid <laughs> $10 million to tell you whatever the fuck you I don't know. There's, like, yes, there's a lot like, of people still on, like, I don't even call it, like, TV 1.0. because like 1.0. They're not even on the internet reading news. They're not even comparing alternatives. They're not even thinking critically. They're just, like, mindlessly absorbing. You know, it's whatever. not their fault, though. It really, to some degree, it's not because you have to remember, and, you know, I know I didn't want to go too deep, but the television itself was invented for fucking mind control in the 1930s by... Nazi scientists. It was literally used on 
the bourgeois population in the middle, in between Olympics to brainwash them into the Nazi party. Like that is the origin of TV and people don't fucking realize this. Yeah, Hitler was- then, you know, we could, we could do the whole thing, but you know, I'm sure you got other people on the show have already probably- Well, Hitler was really in, into film. That's why he was really into film. That's right, that's right. right. And, and in a lot of- we're here and we're talking about storytelling and myth-making and stuff, and there's yeah. power in that, and the power... War, War of the Worlds, right? Yeah. H.G. Wells, over the radio. It's that kind of power that they've learned how to manipulate. So, yes. you know, and like, like you're saying, that's the power of storytelling. That's the power of myth, right? That's, the, that's why my company is called Myth Division, because, you know, our whole thesis is we want to create the sort of myths and legends of, of tomorrow, right? Just a new set. Um, not that it has to take away from anything else, but just to introduce something new that I feel doesn't have to have like, you know, some kind of nefarious, you know, brainwashing underpinning it. Well, I think all art in it and like by, by definition, all art is propaganda. What yeah, we yes, correct. What all media, all media, any piece of yeah. content, yeah, period, by definition, is propaganda. But I think it's a matter of, you know, we're making propaganda that is making the people who are consuming it aware that propaganda exists and that they're susceptible to it. And at least that's what I do. It's about intention. Yeah. You're 100% right, dude. It's about intention, right? So there's propaganda that is used to put someone under the control of someone else. And then there's propaganda that's used to help people learn to think for themselves. To free them, so I want it's the allegory of the cave, right? It's Plato's allegory of the cave. There are there are philosopher kings, you know, hypothetically speaking, right, that have wisdom to come back in and share with everyone. And so they have to say, look, these are fucking shadows and puppets on a wall that you're looking at. The, the real light is out here. And that's really ultimately what's going on right now in the sort of macrocosm is some people are, are trying to get out of this cave that we've all been in for God knows how long, you know, under the powers of these. So anyway, we're just, we're just here trying to tell stories that are entertaining. Tell, tell us about some of these stories. Like tell me what is the hook for the Board Ape Seeks Yacht Club comic book? Oh, that's a fun one, man. Cartoon yeah, fun. animated series? We're working on it, yeah. So, so you saw the clip that we did. I partnered with um, with my buddy at, at Riot Games. He's one of the like senior storyboard artists over there. He directed it, you know, oversaw the production. You know, we both produced it. It was a lot of fun. Um, but we're working towards doing a bigger, bigger series. So we have some some more meetings with more uh, animation production companies coming on. Um, uh, so that'll be happening pretty soon. Where we're really trying to finalize who our partner is going to be to pull off the whole season. Because we really want to do a whole season, whether or not we have distribution for it, we want to do a whole season. So that's a challenge: uh, is getting a production company to want to commit, right? So, uh, so we're having all these great conversations with a few, um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, man, we're just creating the comics in the meantime that are part of the same story. So the whole world unfolds through the comic, through the animation, through the game. We have this uh, sandbox game, which you see the flower shop image. Um, that's from inside the game, um, and that's like, you know, just part of the story. So you can walk around the same world where all the stuff that you're reading in the comics and seeing in the animation is happening. So. Cool. So, so that's a fun one because that in involves all the different communities, the apes, the gutter cat gang, you know, the elephants, uh, just a bunch of different communities. Um, Foxy fam. So there's a bunch. And then, uh, and then we did... That's one of our Unreal Engine builds. So while we're building in that sort of pixelated 2D Minecraft style, um, because that's what's uh, accessible to us and that's pretty popular right now in terms of what people are gonna wanna use in the metaverse to start. Um, it's just one of the biggest brands, the Sandbox. Um, we're also simultaneously building in Unreal Engine because that's where we really uh, see most of our world, you know, yeah, getting, getting the treatment they deserve in terms better of better graphics, yeah, more more quality art and detail. All the, all the games I play are in or Unreal Engine derivatives. Like yeah, I, yeah, I don't play no Minecraft. <laughs> no, well, that's not our generation. You know, that's definitely not my generation. Like, I never, I was like college, I think, by the time right. Minecraft came out. Yeah. So you know, 
I've, I've always been dreaming of the day when I can play in a world and create worlds that are in like you know, live action or you know, photorealistic. Yeah, that's, that's what we like. We like that. <laughs> so then we have the Bored Ape Seat Jacob. Then tell us about the waifus, the ladies. So yeah, so, so Waifu Warriors was something that was born out of just the, the early days of NFT collections when there literally were no, it's born from a conversation that I had with my partner and my wife actually um, separately. Cause I was like, look at this, this is so cool. We're gonna be able to use these commercial rights for these apes, blah, blah, blah. This is how it works, it's a PFP collection. And my wife was like, uh, that's cool, but I don't really want to use an ape. That's not, like, my wife, if you know, you've met her, but like, if you know her, she's yeah. very, like a girl's woman. Yeah. Very feminine. Feminine like, lady. Yeah, she looks like a model. And, you know. So she was like, uh, I want one that I can relate to. And same thing that my partner, Nicole, uh, said, and she's a co-founder for, for the division. And she was like, uh, where's all the lady PFPs? What am I supposed to use? So um, so we came up with this because, you know, we have a big audience in the, in the anime space. And so we were actually one of the first anime, you know, inspired um, PFP collections. If you go back, I think there was only one or two before us. And then we, and then we came out. So, uh, but the idea for us is we're trying to subvert tropes, right? So typically when you see you know, these women, these busty women, right? And we've had some great conversations. We actually have some really talented uh, actresses now attached to do voiceover for our animation for Waifu. Oh, cool. And we have an amazing showrunner attached. Um, I can't say who yet, because we're going to announce that soon. But um, she's just done an awesome story uh, that we can't wait to, to share with all of you guys. But, you know, just in talking with people, it's like the biggest criticism we get is like, oh, you know, you just have hot anime girls with big boobs and it's like the people that have that critique are often either men or or just like really angry women that like aren't i guess aren't happy with themselves because it's like yeah. well, you know you don't this is something that's obviously not for your body type but there are women that have this body type like we were just talking to one of our voiceover actresses and she was expressing like i've been judged by my body for being this like busty woman my whole life and it's not fair and i'm like well, then you're the perfect person to help represent this brand because that's really what we're trying to do is we're showing these um, female warriors as warriors. And that's really what it's all about. This is not like sexualized in any way. It's more like a uh, you know, dragon prince, um, avatar glass airbender. They do have nice boobs, though. I'm just saying. <laughs> What's that? They do have nice boobs, though. I'm but just they have they do. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> no, <laughs> so they're for that. So, yeah. There's an audience, right? <laughs> so. They've also got like really cool backstory and tribes. Yeah. So are you gonna get like husbando warriors though? For <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Maybe we need to do that next after these allies. Uh, we'll do husbando. Uh, we'll be these like scantily clad elf guys, right? So then, what was so we did the waifus, we did the the coins. What was what's this one? This is the new one. I'm excited about the coins. I didn't realize you were actually gonna make like a physical coin. Yeah, that's freaking cool. I'm gonna feel like nervous when the company gets big, though. When I pull that thing out and fly, someone's gonna like beat me up, like for your board ape hat. You better watch out walking around with that shit, man. Dude, I'm not, I don't walk around with this stuff. Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm not an idiot. Look, I, look. Here's the thing. I grew up poor, so I know what it's like to be poor. <laughs> you notice people that have money are walking around flaunting it. Like, so has, um, has anyone recognized the hat yet? You know what? No one has said anything. And I've worn this hat in a lot of places, but it's the, it's the mutant one, so people might not be as savvy. I don't do it for attention anyway. I just do it because it's like one of my only hats now. So, so then what, what's this collection? Oh, this is the new one you're working on, right? This is the brand new one. Yeah, we have been teasing it, um, Starseed Memoirs. So we wrote a, I wrote a graphic novel years ago, actually. It got picked up by a publisher and and was put online as a digital comic, but okay, um, give me give me the hook though. What's what's the hook for the? So novel? it's essentially well, so <laughs> this one's cool. It's essentially ten ten kingdoms. It's a bunch of young uh, people who have who come from these ten different bloodlines, and each of the bloodlines have bestowed them if they pass their coming of age test, they get these powers 
from, from having this bloodline. So they're all sort of different animal based, um, but they form their 10 kingdoms and they represent, well, they're supposed to represent their kingdom, you know, as ideally the leader of the kingdom. But, uh, you know, a lot of things have, have transpired over the years and the kingdoms are divided and split. And there have been, you know, all kinds of different intrigue and, and revolts and the several magic is outlawed now in certain areas. And you have this group of people that are, you know, basically trying to trying to get their way back to their rightful place uh, as the leader of their kingdom. Um, but they're all young people who are also kind of learning how to use their powers. It's pretty, pretty cool little adventure. It's very, it's giving me very MMO vibes. That's that's where, what we're going for because we want, I want to have an MMO for this. I really do. So, you know, we'll keep going probably until we have something that's that's worthy of release. I like the, uh, the, the 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 nod to furry culture too. We got the <laughs> yeah, the little ears. I wonder what's going to be artist. That's our artist. Edges. It's good. I like it. I, like I wonder it. what's going to be like the first real like major breakthrough NFT based video game like that really like pushes things you know into that next level. Because so far I haven't I haven't like seen anything that's like blown me out of the water yet. Although you know, there's, there's I don't think anything's really been released yet that's truly like. Technology is still and interoperable, right? Interoperability is the big is the big question, right? And we're a few years out from complete interoperability. What we'll start to see is like a few ecosystems emerge, right? Like we're starting to see like uh, I don't like to bring them up, but the Yetis now are doing their own, you know, land drop. You know, so they're still around. Ecosystems come out, and again, we're gonna go through a bubble period, and some of them are not gonna make it. Yo, shout out to the Yetis, though, for still fucking being here, bro. I will give them props for still being here, for sure. But I'm oh, my God. Them. I don't know. It's just I can't help it. Uh, ever since that first drop call, I just left that taste that I got. But, you know, I'm rooting for them. That's fine. I, I hope they, they do well and deliver. But I haven't seen anything that, like, makes me really excited. Like, they have like, impressed the shit out of me. Like, a lot of the quality of their work. So it's okay. It's okay. So just click through OpenSea real quick. There's only 78 waifus available for sale. Yeah, true. Out there's of like one alpha coin, and there's like 10, uh, well, not really 10, but more like eight of the original um, uh, access tokens. So one of the things I want to get into is this question of whether or not there are going to be some laws passed anytime soon to try to like crack down on this stuff. Do you think the government is really going to try to reel this shit in? Because, you know, we see this expansion happening with the IRS and stuff. It already feels like they're preparing to start shaking everyone up. <laughs> no, I mean, they definitely are. I mean, you know, it's very clear. I mean, to me, just in watching everything unfold over the last few years and, you know, paying attention to international news and, you know everything going around the world it's very clear like who, who's whose agenda is what like the lines are very clearly drawn and um i'm optimistic that i think uh, we can say we the people will band together and i don't think that a lot of things that are in motion right now will actually end up destroying us if if we can band together over the next six months. Six months. Yeah, I, I'd say so. Well, we're going to have to wait and see what happens with these midterms. The idea is that they're trying right. to back against the, you know, the idea that they're trying to criminalize conservatism really is what's going on. It feels like it. It's kind of crazy, man. And I've never been a conservative. Like, I, <laughs> it's I think, like something I think, new that I've discovered in adulthood yeah. just because it's become countercultural. Yeah, no, but then there's this long-running joke, like, you know, be a, be a liberal in your youth and a conservative in your old age or whatever. There's but truth to that. You there know. is, to some degree, of course, because you have to kind of, you have to ground yourself and you have to find some sort of stability and there's stability in certain values just by nature of the value itself. So you kind of have to look at it that way. But beyond that, it's just like, man, shit's just getting really crazy now. And it's, if I'm starting to feel like I'm pushed into this category of fucking 
right and conservative and all this stuff. I'm like, what is going on? That's yeah. hard yeah. for me is like you can get like, yeah. what you do in your private life. Good for you. Like celebrate you. But like there are certain things that are just like, I don't know. Yeah. I, you're right. I think it shows more just how crazy things have been getting from the left or quote unquote liberal so, side. But, you know, and then again, it's less so that we moved although i do think you know like i said earlier as you age you you naturally get more conservative there's truth to that so sure we probably moved a little bit as we've aged but i do think it's more uh it feels more like i've been abandoned by the left and whatever the left is now is not the left oh for I'm sure man i've been canceled by a lot of friends and like i'm not even i don't i mean i haven't changed at all I don't. yeah I mean, maybe we changed a little bit. It's natural. Life has okay, matured and I've made yeah, myself more sure. informed. Yeah. Out of fear of being uh, uninformed. But I don't like being fucking uninformed. Exactly. I took the time to actually double check information and, you know, do my own re I mean, I've always done my own research, you know, as long as we've known each other. Yeah. When I was doing my research into, you know, ancient archaeology and all that stuff, you know, I was used to, you know, doing this kind of college level research where you're reading journal articles, you're reading like what is true, what is verifiable, what is evidence. And you just apply that to everything else. And that's why it's so fucking shocking that so many people just aren't even evaluating evidence or, you know, they got to the point where evidence, they see evidence and they reject it. It's more, to me, it's more frustration. I don't find it shocking per se. I'm not shocked anymore. Um, Brent and I aren't even really surprised <laughs> that things have played out the way they've played out. If anything, we called a lot of this stuff. We want it to be wrong. You know, I, I want it to be wrong. That's for sure. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, look, you know, I've been down in some of these rabbit holes for a very long time when it comes to the financial system and, um, you know, even even trafficking and stuff like that. I've known about that stuff for a long, very long time. So the fact that now there are clearly people organizations that are like openly suppressing this it's like kind of like how much more obvious can you be and when are we going to see the Epstein list that's all i that's always going to come up for me well twitter twitter is now actively protecting and they have been for some for years protecting and promoting the you know child sexual rights Look at visa did you hear about visa no what visa do oh my god visa was funding mind geek do you know about mind geek no. no. Oh my God! They've been paying for trafficking children for like years. There's oh my God! They just got sued and all this uh, for all these documentations coming out. It was on, it was on CNBC. So oh, people shit. were paying for children with a credit card. Visa was financing a whole department that was enabling the trafficking of children for oh, ten years. That's my sick. God, it's bananas, dude. And I was like, I couldn't. I mean, of course, I could believe it because I know of other situations. But I was just like, you know, it's this moment where you go, like, holy fuck, this is really more, uh, more loud than, than we think. So yeah, so. So that's the thing. And they've been doing it for like 10 years. So now I'm like figuring out why we have to get off of the central banking system because we are now complicit in all of their illicit activities. And the more we find out, the more we learn, the more we know, the more that's verifiable through court documents, the more we have to sort of like think about this. And this is why I say I'm more of a Bitcoin Maxi because there's so many things about Bitcoin that just make more sense despite the the downside of leading us towards the transhumanist agenda which i totally get totally yeah. in dangers of there's also some you know freedom in the use of this technology that keeps it decentralized that keeps them from reaching into our pockets whenever the fuck they feel like yeah well, that's why like I said before, I think the digitization that we're heading toward is inevitable. Money was already heading toward mostly being digital before crypto was even a thing. Um, I think 90 something percent of money in existence was already just in computer parts data. I'd say most of yeah. it. And I think it's like 2% or less is like actually exists in like physical, physical yeah. coins and paper. So we've already been heading in that direction. The thing is, like you said before, they want their own centralized digital currency. Well, they, they want complete control, right? So right now, when you think about it, we still use cash. Um, 
And with cash, you know, it's still off the grid to some degree, right? Once yep. you once you take cash off, like you give it to anybody, and there's no way to really track it, right? I mean, broad strokes. So when you're talking about what they're trying to implement with these CBDCs, these central banking digital coins, it's not just that it's a trackable digital coin, and they can say, "Oh, hey, we, we saw you doing this, or we we're going to turn this off." It's programmable currency where that someone can actively flip switches and change your account or stop you from using it or turn it off and turn it on or, you know, using NFT technology, I'm sure do that too. So that's the danger is, is letting them have complete control over all of your assets, putting us so far in debt that literally they control how long your shower is. They can, well, we've been watching fiction that has been, laying this out for yes. reading fiction for fucking decades. So it should come as no surprise that, that someone has been working towards making that shit a reality where we are the bottom rung peons that, you know, we have to, we have to take the daily shot that keeps us from having emotions. And we have to, uh, what else? I mean, we're already fucking there. I just don't I, get how people yeah, don't yeah. see that reality. Yeah. Equilibrium. That was the movie. I was Equilibrium. Saying. Yeah, exactly. So I also mean, the giver. So Bitcoin. The giver. Yeah, the giver is for the OG. Bitcoin is kind of. I mean, I view it as like, it definitely is a response to fractional reserve banking and the current system that we're living in. And like I said, that was already heading digital already. So Bitcoin kind of just came about as a response to that. Like, all right, well, if everything's going digital anyway, why can't we just make our own digital currency, put a cap on the amount that exists, right? And then have it be totally decentralized. Anyone can send anyone else in money as much as they want anywhere in the world instantly. No banks, no middleman, right? And they're definitely scared of that, but I think like I think they're also playing with the Bitcoin market for sure. Um, yeah, have, for sure, absolutely. And, and it makes sense. They have. They, I'm sure they saw it as a threat at some point, right? Because here's here's the core thing about Bitcoin, and I'll get off my fucking Bitcoin. So, <laughs> but the core thing is like, and this is this is the thing about all digital currency currency to some degree is fiat or physical money or gold or any resource that we're buying using to buy sell or trade uh comes with a cost okay there's a transportation cost there's a cost to guard it and protect it there's all these different costs right involved with that bitcoin solves that it eliminates all of that because it's just simple peer-to-peer transaction on that network right and so you don't have the cost and so i mean it's really interesting I really think we're going to see some changes. Like, you know, we, we obviously have gone through cycles. We've gone through the Great Depression, and we're seeing, you know, all these. This is how we judge history, right? Where we are in it. But this is the first time we have crypto, and I think that is going to change the game in terms of what happens with our financial systems because they're going to try and regulate. They're going to try and stop a migration, but I think if things keep up this way there's an inevitable global migration to digital currencies in a matter of months maybe okay. a year basically anyone can make their own digital currency so yes well and but that's also the, the challenge right that's yeah. the problem is making sure that people aren't buying into something that isn't sustainable right that's, that's scams. yeah there's so many bullshit that's why i call everything else a shit coin i really do like i mean even ethereum i obviously i'm heavily invested in the tech and you know, with the NFTs and all that stuff, but at the end of the day, I have to be mentally prepared for that shit to go to zero, just in case. So I am still stacking, stacking sets and <laughs> thinking about, you know, Bitcoin because that that can't be that can't crash in the same ways that Ethereum can. Hmm. You know, the infrastructure itself needs to be maintained. Yeah, we're gonna have to wait and see here. I think Ethereum 2.0 is due out in the next uh, mm-hmm. four to five days here. We'll see. Really? Oh, it's coming out soon. It's I think it was the 18th. Oh, the merge is happening on September 15th, I think, right? Oh. Yeah, somewhere around there. So, I'm going to I'm going to get that 2 ETH unlocked. Uh, <laughs> I need more Bitcoin. Meet the mist division floor. Oh, you're smart. That's staking, yeah. I missed I missed the opportunity to mint myself an alpha coin cuz I had no monies when uh, the burn was open. Oh, man. But uh, but Daniel got one, so it's, okay. it's, it's fine. Ramon gave me a Christmas. Well, you get a plus one, so I think it's okay. Yeah, yeah you're good. fine. Ramon. We're good. We're good. 
Um, also, I'm very excited by. Except people get a physical coin. <laughs> I think we have like do we have sure. coin guys. We have some ridiculous number of waifus between the two of us. Like I only got like twenty six. Yeah, the allies are coming up, and and so that's going to be the, the unique thing about the waifu, and then I know we'll probably have to go soon, but. Um... The unique thing about the the waifu warriors is that we're using more of a dynamic NFT strategy where your NFT will change. The metadata will be able to change based on potions and uh, eventually story events. Um, so we brought on the, uh, he's like a former head of narrative for a bunch of different departments in Blizzard. He, he worked on StarCraft and World of Warcraft and over overwatch early on before it was called overwatch um then he worked on call of duty so he's a friend of mine that i've known for a bunch of years but he's come over now to help us kind of create that uh just that infrastructure for the narrative and for the games and so i'm briefing him on waifu warriors next week and he's like i want to hear about it let's talk about how to make something from this so we're all kind of i'm just cherry picking some of the best people um from various industries that i've worked with over the years and having fun man just so i guess uh, the last thing we can discuss and we'll we'll end it on this because i know you gotta go and you got things to do you're always busy um and we have a twitter spaces <laughs> yeah twitter spaces yeah we're gonna join that so i want to talk a bit more about like film i know myth division wants to get involved and in, in wait when's the uh, when's the twitter space today it's at like one <laughs> okay <laughs> like literally right after we're done with this we gotta, like, go go like a busy day of like yes. you know, kind of talking. So I wanted to talk about like film um, and the direction that you're taking Myth Division in in regards to making films and yeah. producing them and stuff. So talk a bit about that and some of your plans as much as you can share, of course, without spoiling. Yeah, man, I am. I'm beyond excited about that piece of it. To be honest, um, we, you know, I, I've already had the opportunity to work with some amazing people in film and television over the years and so you know, i've had an opportunity to make a few short films but i've never made a um, a fiction uh, feature film than a documentary which was different right so i'm excited about that piece of it because a lot of the stories that we have already created in comic book form that will be rolling out you know through web3 and nfts and you know publishing in, in stores and all that you know traditional stuff too um but we're getting to already set up a lot of those worlds in the feature film space and television space and so we're starting um with a couple projects that we've already had in development for a number of years that weren't um initially myth division projects but that i was a producer on or i was helping in some way so we have uh two feature films that are already uh, have begun packaging with with talent and i know variety just did um an article about it not too long ago one of the films and so that's a syrian war drama and so that's a you know that's a pretty intense film about um refugees in syria and, and them having to leave and so what i loved about the script is it's taking a very human approach we're not gonna gonna make it a political thing it's not about you know who's right and who's wrong it's more about the turmoil of war and the effect that that has on individuals so i'm really excited about that film um, and then we have another film that's more of a, a young adult, um, alternate stars kind of vibes um, with this amazing director who uh, just had a movie put out on Amazon and wrote another one for Netflix that came out. So um, so we're, we're doing it already. We're like packaging stuff, putting stuff together. We have scripts done. And then we have some, some stuff that's more focused on what we're doing in Myth Division that we haven't, we, we're not going to say anything yet because we don't, we don't want to ruin it. This is this is the real alpha, but all right, we're cooking things up. We're cooking things up, and, and it's, it's all you know, we're we're not the beautiful thing about our position and why I'm so grateful is because we're able to do it and not just talk about it, not talk about what we want to do. We are doing it, or I'm laying the groundwork for it, or I'm taking steps every every day to make sure that we're on track um, for our community and for us, for our sense of accomplishment too. You know. I'm excited, man. I can't wait to see the things that are going to unfold and I can't wait to be a part of it more, man. I'm yeah, great. man. It's cool. It's cool to have everyone just like, if you're a token holder, you're involved. Like I'm there talking to you guys and trying to update you without 
you know, spilling the beans too much. It's, it's <laughs> awesome. No, it, it is great to feel like we are part of something, you know, in a community. And, and it, it is truly diverse, I feel, Myth Division really is. There's a lot of very interesting minds in there in the chat and, and the Discord. And it's diverse without having to force it and be woke and all that shit. So I'm here for it, man. <laughs> All right, guys. Tell, tell everyone where they can find you, Ramo. Where yes. where are all the links? Where do you? Yeah, want no. The best way to find me is probably Twitter. Um, that's the the one that I'm most active on right now, just by nature of you know crypto and NFTs. Yes. Um, but we have a Discord that I'm in a lot. Um, you can find us on Instagram. Instagram, it's uh, at Myth Division. Uh, same thing on on uh, Twitter, and then our Discord link is in our uh, Twitter bio. So. Awesome. You can definitely find us there. You can find me personally. Uh, I am, you'll, you'll notice it's American Ape. Um, I have the board ape there as my uh, picture, and it's just at Ramon Govea. I have my name. Um, no accent on the O for Twitter, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. Twitter, why are you so racist? Yeah. <laughs> we put accent mark. It's I have the accent mark on my Twitter name. Oh, you mean in the handle? On the O. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The handle. You can't put handle. it above the O. In the handle, yeah. In the, in the, handle. the handle. You the can handle. put it in your name. You can't put Not it in the Yeah, I, but I have American Ape up there. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. All right, guys. Thanks again for joining us for another episode. Like, subscribe, yes, comment, give us your money, and we'll be back again soon with another one. Going to end the recording. Bye-bye.